Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Today's cool fact of the day is that unborn babies are protected by the amniotic sac from harmful microbes like bacteria and things like that. But when they travel out of the birth canal, if they do, they get their first exposure to lactobacillus bacteria and the mom's gut bacteria that's pretty much, well, all over the place. I can say that having caught both my own kids. Uh, These bacteria coat the baby's skin, and when the baby swallows, that beneficial bacteria goes right in, which kickstarts your whole microbiome. So I did deliver both kids via vaginal birth. We were lucky that that all worked out. But just to make sure that it worked, I took Lactobacillus infantilis, which is a a probiotic that infants need, and you actually pour it right on the nipples before nursing a couple times just to make sure that you get a good start there. So we did that for, for my kids, and well... Now I got to say nipples on Bulletproof Radio. You knew it was coming. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Today's guest is Jason Wacob. He's the founder and CEO of Mind Body Green. And if you're online, you've probably seen some of their stuff because the Mind Body Green website gets about 15 million visitors a month, which is pretty cool. And their content is all about bringing together leaders in fitness and medicine, health, spirituality, and nutrition. 
And the mission and Jason's mission as the, the founder of Mind Body Green is to redefine successful living. And the reason that I've invited Jason on the show today is that he just has a new memoir titled Wealth, as in W-E-L-L-T-H, How I Learned to Build a Life, Not a Resume. I think he has a lot to offer you on the show today because he's a, a lifestyle hacker who's spending a lot of attention to what makes him perform better. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Dave. It's an honor. Uh, you and I met in person uh, at your, your annual conference that you stream live, and I, I think I gave a talk there, if, if memory serves, right? Yeah, I, I did. Yes. I did give a talk and just got to hang out with all sorts of cool people that you hang out with. I think I met Emily Fletcher there as well. Uh, if, if memory yeah. serves, and even a couple of people that are now members of the Bulletproof team. So I, I appreciate that you, you, pulled a, <laughs> you pulled together these, these nice groups of, of very influential people who are paying a lot of attention to, uh, to how the world around them affects their biology and just to health and wellness in general. So what, what does wealth mean to you, though? Like, like that, that's it's an interesting title. Like, like you, you spell wealth wrong. Sure. What is sure. wealth with two L's versus the wealth that Warren Buffett's paying attention to? So I really believe in this idea that it's time to redefine successful living. And to me, wealth, W-E-L-L-T-H, is the way we should be thinking about it. And I always start with, look, I like money, but there's more to life. And I believe true happiness, true success is this blend of mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, and environmental well-being. Um, and that life is about abundance, not just pure riches. So, although, once again... Nothing against money. And, you know, I learned that the hard way. I started out as an equities trader uh, and saw very quickly money did not buy happiness and went, went on my own personal health journey and came to this new definition, which is something I'm passionate about. Uh, you and I are, are kind of cut from the same cloth there. Yep. I, I remember <clears throat> I, I made $6 million when I was 26. And I was like, this is great. Of course, I lost it when I was 28. No one ever, <laughs> I, I always say that. People edit that out. It's like, no, I, I felt it, and then I didn't have it. And I remember to this day, all I had to do was walk into the CEO's office and say, I quit, and I could have taken my $6 million. But instead what I did is I said, I'm going to keep working for the company, even though the stock price is tanking and I'm not allowed to trade the stock while I work there, and I watched my $6 million go away. And the reason I did that was that I knew that if only I had $10 million, I'd be happy. Right. Like that, that was my thinking, right? And, and that is exactly in alignment with what you're saying there. Like, like it, it's about abundance, but most people, especially if you're younger, and a lot of your audience is, is millennials with mind, body, sure. great. If you're younger, you're like, okay, there's all this stuff I wonder, I want freedom, right? And, and it, it requires money. And what they don't teach you in school anywhere is that $75,000, that's the price of happiness, yep. right? And we all get caught up in this idea of keeping up with the, with the Joneses, especially here in New York, and I'm sure where you are, where, you know, for some person it's 10, but once you get to 10, well, the next guy's got 50. And, and look at the house he has, or look at the wife, or look at the, whatever it may be, and it, it becomes very dangerous very quickly. It's one of the reasons I live on, on Vancouver Island, because here we basically compete to see, like, whether your old, uh, whether your your old broken down uh, Volvo wagon smells more like raw milk than someone else's, but you know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's uh, I do live in a hippie area where keeping up with the Joneses is less of an issue. Uh, but I, you know, I, I travel a third of the time and and I hang out with with all kinds of people. And you're right, like you can get caught up in that. I, I've got to have the newest Tesla right now, 
kind yep. of thing. And it stresses you out, and, and you're happy for like five minutes after you get it, and then it's like, yep. what's next? And it's a balance, you know. I believe in goal setting. You know, I'm growing a business like you're growing a business, and it's important to set goals. It's important to work your ass off. It's important to achieve yeah. goals. And, and but at the same time, it's this process of being grateful every step step along the way, and that's that's hard. So, so let me ask you this then. So, what gets you up every morning? Like, why why do you do this? So, I'll give you my my quick background. So, fast forward. You know, I was an equ- went to Columbia. I played basketball, became an equities trader, and I, lar- I became an equities trader because I didn't have money. And back then, this was yeah. 1998. If you, if you wanted to make money, you did three things: you either worked on, uh, you became a doctor if you had grades and aptitude for science; uh, you became a lawyer if you had grades for law school, and if you had none of the above, you went to work on w- Wall Street. And so I, I didn't have grades or an aptitude for science, <laughs> so I became an equities trader, and and quickly. Um, you know, my, my best year, my second year, I made $800,000. Um, you was able to pay off all my school debt, was able to buy my mother a car, you know, and, and here I thought that was a, a lot of money and I was miserable. I was miserable, miserable because the relationship was falling apart and, you know, talk about a contrast here. I, here I am my whole, you know, young adult life looking for this thing. I think it's going to bring me happiness and freedom and, 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 and I was miserable. And so you know, went on this went on this journey, became an entrepreneur. You know, various businesses, uh, a lot of them didn't work, and found myself running a startup about seven or eight years ago, flying 150,000 miles domestic. You can't tell, but I'm six foot seven. You're a big guy too, Dave. Oh, you got three inches on me. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, and like, pain. <laughs> us in a coach seat. It's not fun. Uh, nah. Combined with the startup, wasn't doing well. I was stressed out of our mind. Uh, Two extruded discs to my lower back, pressing on my static nerve. So a basketball injury combined with flying and stress, excruciating sciatica in my right leg. I couldn't walk. Um, went to a doctor. He said, you need surgery, non-negotiable. I sought a second opinion, and I have nothing against surgery. I just saw it as something I generally didn't want to do. And back surgery, the number, the success rate isn't actually that good. Uh, he said the same thing. He said, you need back surgery. And it was almost like an afterthought. He said, you know, maybe some yoga or therapy might help. And so I said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll try some some really light yoga. Started to do about five to ten minutes in the morning and the evening, and I started to feel better and started to look at things like stress and sleep and nutrition and the environment and started to make all these changes in my life. And over about six months, I completely healed. So I never, I've never had back surgery, and I'm fine. Were you still an equities trader when you were doing this? No, no I was gone. I was okay. running another start. So I was actually, I was running another startup, an organic chocolate chip cookie company that was in every Whole Foods market in the country. Okay. So I've been to like 200 Whole Foods. Nice. Uh, since back in like 2008. Uh, and so I completely healed, and I, and I started to go down this rabbit hole, and I was like, "Holy cow! Everything, everyone has health wrong. Every print magazine leads you to believe it's about vanity and weight loss, and the internet is dominated by people googling for symptoms and freaking out and running the emergency room." Yep. I said, "You know, it's more nuanced. It's Eastern meets Western. It's more holistic. It's this blend of once again mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, environmental well-being. Like no one's talking about this." And so that's how Mind Body Green launched, and and. You know, our mission is to help people live their best life, but we have a we have a point of view on that. We have a point of view that's narrow, and then we believe it's this once again this blend. But we also are open to whatever works for you, and, and, and that is our mission. That's what gets me up every day. It's exciting to, you know, we're we're changing lives. There is a media company. There's there's always better content, more content, more things we can offer. 
And so that's what keeps me going and, and gets me excited every day to come to work. It's it's a different thing than getting up every day to, to do some trades in yep. the equity field. A lot of people don't. So I used to do a ton of, of options trading and, and day trading and things like this while yep. I was working in tech. And, and it's like you're constantly chasing this. Be like, yes, I made some money, but I added zero value to anything. Exactly. And, you know, I actually <laughs> like trading. As an athlete, I love trading. Yeah. I was a competitive guy, but absolutely right. At the end of the day, I was like, I'm not really creating value here, and I also have no skill set. Like, I'm good at this one thing, but that doesn't mean anything anywhere yeah. else. Um, so, yeah, it just, I really want to help people and, and seeing the change in my own life and, you know, in the journey meeting people like yourself who have amazing stories and, and are inspiring on a daily basis, you know, that, that, that's what keeps me going every day. Well, let's zoom in on your book a little bit. Sure. And I, I want to talk about, like, like, you have different chapters in here, and certainly the, the, big structure I would agree with, but you talk about steps and basic principles in the books. Like, kind of break it down for me. So I, I, I came up with these pillars. So eat, move, live, breathe, love, work, believe, thank, heal, ground. I think I got a uh, laugh. I think, I think I got most, I think I'm, I got like 11 right there. That's, uh, that's pretty good memory. I was just yeah. testing your working memory and you, you passed. <laughs> Well, because I'm having Bulletproof every morning. Bulletproof oh, are you now? That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, every morning. Uh, so it's this idea of, you know, building a life and looking at your life holistically. You know, to me, uh, you know, being healthy is a combination of, of multiple things. You know, it, it just it goes beyond diet, although I think diet plays a huge role. Uh, but, you know, if you're not happy in your relationship, if you're not happy with friendships, if you're not connecting to nature, I think all these things are interconnected. And so really wanted to, to dive in to each element of health and wellness, which I think are vital and have experienced that in my own personal life. Okay. Tell me about what you did with yoga and your back. So I think a lot of people are interested in that. I get people with back injuries all the time sure. uh, coming to Bulletproof or just asking me. And, sure. and, and I've had lots of issues. I actually have spina bifida. Occultus, sure. which means the lower lower parts of my spine didn't fuse all the way because yep. my mom didn't process folic acid very well. Same thing I yep. don't. What do you know? It's genetic. Uh, and there's no symptoms from it other than maybe my low back is a little sore sometimes. Yep. So let, let's uh, just talk, talk about your story. Why yoga? Sure. What form of yoga? What did it do for you? Sure. So I think the back pain actually probably started in college when I was playing my junior year when I started to have weird hamstring pain. And when you don't, everything is the lower back, uh, something I didn't realize at the time. Yeah. Um, and then the pain started to reoccur, you know, towards my butt. And then it just went further and further south to my toes. And my, my leg was a lightning rod. Uh, so at the time, you know, surgery seemed like, like it was a serious option that I, that I was willing to consider, but saw it as a last resort. And I saw yoga as this thing where, hey, it might work. I'll give it a shot. If it, if, it, if it doesn't work, I'll get surgery. I'll be fine. So right away, like mentally, I'm starting to think, like no matter what happens, I'm not going to be a cripple. I'm going to be okay, which in retrospect, I think was very powerful in the healing process, this idea of letting go and being positive, and there's science yeah. that support that. Uh, so I started really light, like five to ten minutes, four or five ex exercises, uh, reclining ankle to knee. It was, it was like my go-to, go standing forward bend, uh, just do five to ten minutes, morning, evening. Wouldn't go to a public yoga class. You know, I found some stuff online and just kept, you know, 
kept on doing it and started to feel the pain subside. So one thing I've learned about back pain is the further south it goes, the worse, the, the further north it goes, and the more localized it becomes or closer to being localized, the better. So right away, I start to feel the, the, the back pain start to come up and I start to feel better. So right again, mentally, this, I'm saying to myself, like, wow, like there's progress. You know, once again, really beneficial in the healing process. It sucks when you're doing something and there's no progress, but then to see the progress, you know, positive reinforcement. Um, and, and, and it was really that simple, to be honest with you. And I remember I had this moment, too, in sort of my spiritual awakening. I was going to see a massage therapist, and she was saying how uh, the, the lower back, the root chakra, was tied to stress and money worries. And I was like, holy cow. Like, wow. Like, I, I'm blown away. Like the the worries, like money, I, I could, didn't have any. It's just, it all makes sense, you know. You know when you look at these new age things, and all of a sudden they hit home, and then you're like, oh my god, you know, <laughs> I, I had I had one of those moments, uh, and that just led me down this path. And I didn't even go to a public yoga class for like a year. I was afraid to go. How long after you started doing yoga did it take you to buy those spandex yoga knickers? Never. <laughs> Couldn't do it. Never. I wear a t-shirt t- and shorts. That's it. I, I, I got to say, I, I don't have any of the spandex stuff, but I did after a couple years buy. Uh, I did like pretty advanced yoga for five years. And, and uh, I did buy the, the, the male non-spandex tight Lululemon uh, yoga pants that were really stretchy. And they're actually way better than sweatpants for yoga. I got I to say. Like, all right, but they're not like knickers and, you know, they're, they're, they're not the spray on yoga pants or any of that, but, but they, they, there is some, something to be said for that. Uh, tell me about your first time you went to yoga class. So now you've been like secretly watching YouTube or something, doing yoga at home. What happened when you walked in the first time? So the, the first time I went was actually Tara Stiles class and, and my wife went first. And so my wife in <laughs> yoga, my wife would be my guinea pig. She would go test it out. So she went to, she went to Tara and Michael's studio, Strala, and she went to a class and I sort of caught the end of peeking in the window. Looks like I, I can do this. And then after class, and, and, and you know, I had known Tara and Michael online just briefly on social media, but had never met in person. And, and after class, I went in and we started talking, and Michael and Tara convinced me, we're not going to hurt you. Like, <laughs> like, we've got people with backs here, bad backs before, and it seemed gentle. And then I asked Colleen after, my wife, and she said, you know, I think you can do it. And so I really started uh, practicing yoga in public classes at Strala and and. That, that, you know, I went started to go every day and they teach a sort of strala is very similar to uh, a nice, easy vinyasa flow. Uh, and, and I lived there for like a year. It was fantastic. That, that, that's a cool story. Uh, I, I was similarly like, I don't know if I really want to go to yoga class. This was, oh, about 10 years ago. And the reason I went is that I'm dating this um, hot Swedish blonde doctor who's now my wife <laughs> and, and, and she's in Sweden she's like you should take up yoga and, and pretty much when you're newly dating someone and they tell you something like okay uh, and, and she said something to me that was really helpful and she said Dave my advice is that you find a yoga teacher who's, who's extraordinarily attractive and, and I go really? Why? And, and she goes, so you'll go to yoga class, <laughs> which was very, very wise. So I, I found a, a cute yoga teacher in, in Mountain View. And eventually I was just like, it doesn't, after the first class, like actually it doesn't matter. So I would do yoga probably four, uh, four nights a week and once on the weekend. 
uh, and you know, these are hour-long classes, and yep. it really it, it made a difference for me. Uh, for me, the I, I always had like fear around my knees because I've I had three surgeries on one knee. I, I had a screw in my knee, and I'm like, I really don't want any any more injuries. But just like you, like, like after doing this for a while, like a lot of pain goes away, even though there's like this risk of like if if I if I sit on my knees for a while, like I might not be able to walk for a day. Like, like that's been the case for me since high school. And all of a sudden I can sit on my knees meditating and it doesn't matter. Like it's kind of miraculous, right? Yeah. And I had other issues like that too. So if I, I've dislocated my shoulders, my knees are stiff, I've got an ankle that's messed up. So all these things too in yoga, you know, my back was the big thing, but all of a sudden I started to gain mobility in my shoulders and I started, nice. I started mobile shoulder <laughs> and knees and, and everything. It's all started to, you know, come back. And so, uh, you know, I became a huge believer in yoga and still practice to this day, largely at home though. But I, I like to think about practicing yoga at home. Well, there's a benefit to that. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I'm actually working on having a teacher come out to the labs. I'm rural enough that I'm not, I'm not in a position to spend 15 minutes driving somewhere and 15 minutes driving back at a time that works for them where it's, it's just too much. So I'm actually holding many classes uh, here at Bulletproof Labs where I have a, a few friends come over and have a teacher come over so I can get back into it. Which I, is, love, uh, I love that. And that's the beauty of the practice. You know, my practice today, I do twice a week for 15 to 20 minutes and then that's all I need and it's fantastic. And I think that's part of the wellness journey. Well, you know, you find what works and you work it into your life and then you evolve when you need to evolve. What do you think about using yoga as like a power workout? I think it's fantastic if you find the right teacher in class, you know, but it's all about yeah. the, the teacher in class. I, I think some teachers in classes just aren't a fit for that and others are great. It, it's something that is hard to express for people, yes. right? Uh, uh, the quality of the teacher matters so much. I, I remember one time, uh, this was back in Mountain View, California in, in Silicon Valley, and I'd I've always had a hard time where you sit with your legs straight and bend forward, probably because of my low back. You think that that's been one of the, I'm tall, you're tall too. It's been one of the more challenging things to like bend forward. And one day, I had a teacher. His, his name was Tony. Uh, was it Gianetti? I think. And anyhow, he uh, he was like, just tilt your pelvis. He just said this one word, and and I gained four inches of forward fold with that <laughs> one little word he said. Right. I'd been doing yoga for two years. Right, and I didn't have the control systems wired in. Like I didn't know my body would do that, so I never asked it to do that. And it's that learning process. It actually changes your brain when you do it. I think it's fascinating stuff. I'd like to do more than I do now, but there's lots of fascinating things out there these days. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's talk about aligning work with your values because this is something that I, you you must hear this every day. I hear it every day. Sure. For people saying like I I don't. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't like this kind of job. I want a job lines with my values. And they think that means I have to go start a company. But it, I, I don't know that, I, I think most people aren't cut out to be entrepreneurs. Like it, I agree. It, it, it takes a certain kind of brain and a certain personality type and, and a certain predilection in order to do it. So what does it mean when you, when you write in your book you know, that, that how to like, make your work align with your values? Like what are examples of how people can do that? So I think it depends on the person. And so what I, I totally agree. Most people should not become entrepreneurs. <laughs> I think uh, unless you are uncomfortable with uncertainty, adversity, ambiguity, risk, uh, you know, ha having, I, I just think most people are not built, period. And I, I would highly, highly discourage it. Uh, and it's funny because I think, you know, 
1998, when I went to become a trader, Wall Street was, was glamorized, and today we're in the age of Silicon Valley on HBO, and startups, and entrepreneurs, and it's sexy, and unicorns, and all that stuff, and it's just, it's not the way things work. Uh, there are a lot of wantrepreneurs out there where like, oh, I, I want to do it because it's cool, but they're, at their core, most most really successful entrepreneurs become entrepreneurs because they can't not become entrepreneurs. Correct. Like they'll get fired from everything else. I'm certainly like that. Like I was an intrapreneur when I was in Silicon Valley because even then I couldn't do the big corporate thing until I was pretty old. Uh, and I finally like tempered myself where I can make myself do it even though I didn't like it. Right. I agree. Uh, and I, I think we're, we're probably similar that way. Uh, so aligning work and passion, you know, I, I think it starts with one doing a deep dive. You know, what, what are you passionate about in life? What are you good at? And sometimes that, that's more of an external thing, like I'm passionate about health and wellness. And so that's great. But, you know, I think you need to go deeper. What are you passionate about connecting to people? Are you passionate about, uh, you know, crunching numbers? Are you passionate about, uh, being creative, I think you have to drill down uh, to what you really like doing and, and try to build a life, build a career around that. Sometimes you can find that in a job and I think sometimes you can't and that's okay. I think if you're really passionate about travel or trying great restaurants, then they, there may not be a job out there that, that, that fits into the job description, but you can certainly create that life by finding a job that gives you the, the time and the resources to go to great restaurants and travel. So I think it's a bit of a mix and you have to really do some, some introspection and what do you really enjoy doing and what are you good at? <laughs> did, did you ever think about becoming a yoga teacher? Never. <laughs> Never. The, the, the reason I'm asking that is, is that a lot of people when they first discover yoga are like, wow. And, and that's one of those problems. I actually did. I, oh, I, I really? Becoming, uh, becoming yoga certified. So I'm like, I spend five nights a week or five days a week doing this anyway. Like, I might as well get paid for it, right? And, like, I, I feel like I, I, I have something to offer people. And uh, I was looking at Anusara, which is a, a form of yoga that, that's uh, it's actually Fred. a lot of... Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, do you know John? No, not, not, not well. Not personally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, this is, like, a, an offshoot of Iyengar style yoga. But it's a couple thousand hours of teacher training. Like, like it's a hardcore training. And I, I wanted the physical challenge and the benefit of doing it. But come on, I'm an entrepreneur in Silicon Valley. Like, like I'm a vice president of cloud security, things like this. There's no way that I'm going to make a living where I can afford like food <laughs> uh, as a yoga teacher living in a big city. Do um, I see bulletproof yoga in the product pipeline down the nah, road, Dave? <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, there's so many good yoga teachers. Like I don't have to do that one, right? But I, I really did think about this years ago. Uh, and same thing like like massage therapy, right? Like, it's not a good fit for me. I like getting massages, and I like I, I, I like, like working. I, yeah, but I, also, I like working as a healer. Like like I, I I know all sorts of weird healing modalities. A lot of biohacking stuff touches that. But this is, I think, the problem people struggle with. And kind of telling some personal stories here, and so are you, because you write about aligning work with your values. But if your values are, like, I really love yoga, or like you said, I really like to go out and eat at restaurants, you're probably not going to be a restaurant reviewer because we have Yelp and it's free. Like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just how it is. Yep. Uh, despite the fact that Yelp might uh, extort those restaurants by deleting the positive reviews unless you pay them. Yelp, we're watching you. We know you do this. <laughs> Uh, so, what would you say to someone though? Like, like, let's just 
paint a stereotypical person who's early in their career, 25 to 28, somewhere like that, and they're like, look, I have a job, and my boss tells me what to do every day, and I don't really like it, and I want to do what I love, right? So right now it's like, well, I should go out and you know, start a company and live in Thailand and work you know, a couple hours a week. Right. What would you say to someone who has that plan versus all these other things? God, I'd say a couple of things. One is I do think a good place to start is to ask the question, what would I do if I, I didn't need to make any money? What would I do for free? And so, you know, when I started My Buddy Green, I didn't make any money for three years. So I, I truly, and I was married at the time. My wife was very understanding. Uh, but so ask that question. Um, and then I think you, you need to ask some pragmatic questions too. You know, can I make a living doing this? And what does that look like? And if you're young and single and, you know, you've got a little more freedom. If you're not, you don't. But I think it's important to to be pragmatic about it. I think it's important to ask people. You know, LinkedIn, one of the greatest tools ever. Find people who are doing what you're doing and see if you can connect with them. Or maybe you have a friend and ask real questions. Do they like what they're doing? Are they earning money? Uh, you know, ask those types of questions. And then three, I think there's there's something to be said for gaining real world real, real world experience. So if someday you want to be a bio, biohacker, you want to be an entrepreneur, like. They should probably work for you, for, for you, Dave, first before you decide to go to Thailand and start a company. Like, there's there's knowledge, there's experience. You know, that's the best way to to learn. Like, don't just jump out of the gate. I think it's so rare you can be successful doing that. It, it, I I think Mark Zuckerberg almost did the world a disservice uh, because he's like, look, I started this company, and, and by the way, they're, the first Facebook servers were at my company's data centers at Exodus Communications. <laughs> I'm like, bam, we were there back when they were the Facebook, right? <laughs> and, but here's the thing. He was phenomenally successful and, and is really good at what he does, but like, that's an example of a unicorn, right? And I, I see all these, uh, all these, these people who have no uh, apprenticeship, no mentorship at all, and they're like, I'm just going to start a company, and it's it's like walking into a walking into a fan uh, that that's running and you know, like and like, burning okay. at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> nice, exactly. Uh, how did you learn to become an entrepreneur, though? Like equities traders generally aren't good entrepreneurs. Like who who taught you? Well, so there was a lot of you know being an equities trader. There there was a lot of entrepreneurial spirit there. You know, I had okay. my own P and L. I you know I could. There was a lot of freedom, and I ended up leaving and trading my own money. So, you know, there was a lot of freedom there. And part of it was, you know, there, there were moments in time where I thought about going back to the quote-unquote establishment. I just couldn't get a job. And in some ways was an accidental entrepreneur and yeah. started to gain experience. You know, first it was in healthcare and then consumer products, and that got me into wellness. And then when I got to media... It sort of started at scratch, and it took. That's why you know I don't think it's. Look, it took three or four years before I thought my buddy Green had a chance of being successful, and I think part of that reason is I didn't have experience in media. It probably would have happened a lot faster. <laughs> I thought I'm smart. I'll work my ass off. I'm passionate. I'll figure it out. And sure enough, I did, and and, and I'm sure you know luck played a role in it. But uh, you know I, I believe in experience. I, I believe in real world experience. A lot of the stuff they can't teach you in school, whether you go to Harvard Business School or what have you, you know, having having mentors, having real world experience is invaluable. You know, and, and that's something 
I've gained and it's still something I'm working on. You know, that I, I have a great mentor now I'm working with and I, and I, I know I don't have all the secrets. Um, and that's important. And I think the moment you stop seeking uh, to be better as an entrepreneur, as a person uh, in, in life and in business is sort of when the music stops and it's over. Yeah, that, that's, it's very well said. I, I'm, I'm thinking back my very one of my very first companies, it turns out was the first company to ever do e-commerce. I, I sold a caffeine T-shirt out of my dorm room over something called Usenet before the World yep. Web was invented, and it turns out like that's kind of a groundbreaking thing. Uh, I sold these shirts to like a dozen countries, and it was born out of desperation because they they raised tuition. It turns out it was by 900%. I went back and I did the math. I used to think it was 1500%. And I'm like, I can't afford this. Like my summer job doesn't pay for my college anymore. So I'm going to start this thing. And, and it, it worked. But if I had accepted the abundant offers of help from successful entrepreneurs, uh, I would have probably gone to Silicon Valley and started some Vista print or some sort of amazing company. Uh, but I, I didn't do that because I was, uh, I was actually too stubborn and angry to take, to take on mentorship. And, and, and for people listening to this, it, it's like, just go out and do it on your own. It, it's probably not a good strategy. Go out and find someone who just absolutely kicks ass at doing what you love and offer to sweep the floor. You'll learn more doing that. And then you will doing it yourself and walking into the, the buzzsaw a few times. Yep. And it's hard. You know, I've looked for mentors for years. And to be honest, like a lot of them aren't that impressive when you meet them. And I think that's a lot of the challenge, you know, where you, you grow as a company, you grow as a person. Uh, you know, I'm happy to say I finally have someone who, who's fantastic and who's really been incredibly successful and passionate. And so, but, but it took a while to get there. You know, and I think I think that's the problem too. We live in an age. Look, everyone's passionate about wellness and self improvement, and there are you know countless numbers of twenty five year old life coaches. <laughs> and, I, and I love that people are trying to be positive and help other people, and that mess like that's fantastic. I think that's great. But on, on on some level, is there really knowledge and experience there? Probably not. Um, so yeah. we live in interesting interesting times. Uh, very, very well said. Uh, there's an awful lot of life coaches out there, and I mean, I, I run the Bulletproof Coach Training Program there, and and one of the things that I look for is people who are um, usually people who have suffered a little bit, yep. <laughs> because having having to learn to overcome something, whether it's financially or uh, from a, a personal performance perspective, like you know, my brain doesn't work, whatever it is, it sometimes gives you enough arrows in your back to, to be a successful coach. And then there's the coaching skills themselves. And I, I'm a little frustrated when you see people like, I'm just going to hang out a shingle and call myself a life coach. And uh, when I first got really serious about uh, this entrepreneur stuff, like this is, well, actually I've always been kind of serious about it, but I just started looking at personal development stuff going back more than 10 years. I hired three or four coaches. And these guys are 300 bucks an hour. Right. And, and kind of like you're saying, I, I realized after I was you know, a couple thousand dollars cheaper or, or poorer, I'm like, you know, like they didn't have anything that I didn't have, right? I, what I really should have found was someone who had 20 or 30 years more experience than me and was willing to share it. And most of those people you can't buy, right? 
<laughs> yeah, or if you can, it's a $10,000 engagement for a month and they come in and spend two days with you. But man, there's a lot of value there if, if you get to the point in your career where you can bring in someone who's you know, started a company that grew to $100 million in three years and done it twice. Um, I'm working with a guy like that right now. Like, okay, that's cool. It's fantastic when you get one. It's really game-changing. Well, we got off track a little bit, but that was part of it's part of what's actually in your book. So your book is very broad reaching. So you talk about that was your work chapter. We're, we're going there, uh, and I, I just I look to give value to people who are listening to the show. I, I figure that that's an area where they, they could be really helpful. Let's switch gears. You talk about meditation, and you talk about uh, the chapter called "Feel" about how the concept of energy is real and how it affects your work and life environment. So are, are you some kind of like a New York hippie? I mean, energy is real? Oh, I'm, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> what is energy is real? Like, what does that mean to you? Describe this energy. So I think we've all had those, those moments when you've um, been in a room and it feels tense. You know, you can, you can, you can cut, the, cut, cut, cut it with a knife. Uh, you know, the story I tell in the book, uh, I was talking with my, as far from new age as possibly you can go in this story, I was talking with my old basketball coach at Columbia, Armand Hill, who is now with the LA Clippers, and I was talking about violence in the NFL, and just getting his take on it as a guy who's a professional sports world, and and he said, you know, look, the, these guys practice violence, you know, think about it, you know, how how, how can you turn that off? And he, and he said, you know, I've, I've been in rooms with NFL players and you, you can feel it, man. You can, and and you know what? He's right. I think, I think we've we've all had experiences like that. Uh, and I think we've we've had experiences where you've been in rooms with you know people like yourself and inspiring people in the wellness community who are doing amazing things, and you just can't help but feel the energy, and you're uplifted, and it's great. And and we've all have those friends who, you know, there's that friend you have who, whenever you see him or her, they're just always positive and upbeat, and you're like, you know. I, I wish I could see this person more often, and you just can't feel, you know, nothing but, 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 but joy. And then I think we all have friends too, where they're just the the Debbie Downer. And hopefully we don't have a lot of those friends, and hopefully we're, we're slowly eliminating them. But every, you know, you get together, and it's one complaint after the other, and the conversation just goes south, and you just walk away feeling like. Why did I do this again? <laughs> yeah, I, I just took a beating over dinner, right? I yeah, <laughs> and like I, I thought we were going to talk about me. Like, what happened? And sure, friendship has ups and downs, and there's give and take. Um, but that's that's what I mean by energy. You know, it is palpable, specifically with relationships. And I'm a big believer in, in you know who you hang out with. You know, really sets you up for success, um, and, and vice versa if you're hanging around the wrong people. You know, I, I think there's truth to this notion that you're a combination of the five people you hang out with most. As you become more successful, it gets harder and harder to hang out with really successful people because they're all too damn busy. Yes. Like, like I, I look back at my, my Wharton class. I, I haven't seen most of my Wharton friends. Like I, I email them occasionally. Uh, but we see each other maybe, like some subset of them, maybe once a year, if, if even that. How do you go about like hanging out with, with people more successful than you because you're already pretty successful with mind body sure you know it's quality it's 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 trust uh and and the inner circle becomes smaller you know i i think you know in your 20s the inner circle is pretty big you know it's like we all recall going to that like first wedding in our 20s and it's like everyone's invited and everyone's there and and you know, as you, I'm 41 now. I think your your circle starts to shrink. You've got family obligations. You've got work obligations. I think it becomes more about quality versus quantity. It, it does. 
that's a good observation. And when I said more successful than you, I, I, I hope it's really clear there. I mean, more successful at something, not necessarily, yeah. like, you know, I only hang out with people who have more money than me is, is like oh, the biggest asshole thing sure. you could ever oh, do. Yeah. I, I, yeah. To me, it's about hanging out with people who are inspiring and doing incredible things in their life and success in that, you know, whether it's, you know, the beauty of Mind, Body, Green, our office, you know, communities at the center of what we do. So every day someone's coming in there. It could be, some person you know who's a yoga instructor that, that not, not a lot of people know, but he's got an amazing personal story, and that person comes in and you're talking to him and you just get you get amped or or a celebrity who's incredibly passionate about acting and being the best they can be or a doctor or or an entrepreneur, I think those people you know even if the interaction is 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 not frequent, the quality that you get out of that conversation and that interaction is just fantastic to, to meet with people who are, you know, living their passion, living their best life, inspiring people. It just, it can't help but, but rub off on you. And, and that's, I mean, the, the quality is just so important. It, it's, it, it's something that, that I spend a lot of, of, a lot of my focus on uh, as an entrepreneur, especially because I live in a, in a more rural area. It's like if I'm going to go somewhere, I'm very conscious about okay, how do I how do I get to hook up? Like right right before we started recording, uh, I was like, oh, that's right, you're in New York. So I I literally sent a note to my assistant uh, saying, okay, next time I'm in New York, Jason and I are going to hang out. Like we'll do a recording at Mind Body Green, we'll have dinner, whatever. But I, I actually now have a list in all the cities where I travel. That's like okay, here's the people I want to go spend time with. Yep. Right. Right. And that is something that no one teaches you to do that in school. Your parents probably didn't teach you to do that. But if you become conscious around this, you end up building community and end up having these these people there that that have the kind of energy that rubs off on you and that hopefully you can benefit as well in those relationships. It's absolutely critical. And, and the friends will change and the community will change, but it's absolutely critical. There's not enough time in the day, period, to do what you do and what I do. And so you just have to be super conscious of your own time because at the end of the day, you will not be successful if you're not taking care of yourself. And so if, if, you're, if you're taking care of everyone else and try and do, uh, meet everyone else's, uh, everyone else's demands, you're the one who's going to suffer and then everyone suffers. You're not going to be able to fulfill the mission. They're not going to be happy and then it's just terrible for everyone. But it, it's amazing. And this is one of those things you're not going to learn as a first-time entrepreneur uh, in your <laughs> mid-20s. Yep. Right? And you're at a different stage in life and there's the Ericksonian stages of adult development and all that stuff. Uh, and I, I should tell you, I wish someone had explained to me like what's going to happen with your relationships over time, and here's how you cultivate them, and, and all that. And, it, and it's funny. I'm sure that if I ask my dad, who's you know, in his, his mid seventies now, uh, the same thing. No one told him what was going to happen between 25 and 35 either, right? And or t- 35 and 45 or whatever. And honestly, I haven't really asked that many people what happens between you know 43 where I am now and and 53. But I, now that I think about it, I'll ask a couple of people <laughs> because they probably lived it. They have, and there are certain things that you know. I remember someone told me one time, like nothing good happens after, and inserts like time at night, like nothing good happens after nine o'clock or ten o'clock, and the, these things. You know, I'm sure. You know, I had to find those, find those lessons out the hard way before I started to realize that. Wait, are you one of those morning people? Not really. I wake up around <laughs> 6, 6.30. So you wake up in the middle of the night. I knew it. No. <laughs> um, I just did a post yesterday. It looks like 40% of people are not morning people. And the 60% of people who are morning people try to do like 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 sleep in shaming. Right? <laughs> 
and so now I've just like rebelled against that. And, and I, I became a 5 a.m. riser for two years just to like prove to myself that I could do this. Uh, and then I realized one day that, you know what, that's not natural for my body. It just isn't. Like I have a long circadian window and I'm way happier and I sleep better if I sleep in a little bit. Uh, so I wake up as, uh, ideally I'd wake up around at 8.30 or 9, but I have kids so I wake up at like closer to 7.30. Uh, but I stay up late and I get my best writing done after 11. So I'm working on my next book right now. It means I'm going to stay up late. So, so you wake up early. Do you wake up at the same time? I'm just asking this because you you do health and wellness. And you, you do all this stuff. So I, I think people listening want to know, like, all right, what do you do in the morning? So, so you wake up. You wake around 6.30. Do you like, you know, do you meditate? Do you like ring crystal bowls and... You know, do you pound of Mickey's? I have no idea. Like, like give so, me your morning. So my wife and I actually don't set our alarm, and our office is three blocks away. So sometimes six thirty, we'll go to seven thirty, but usually on the early side. Uh, first thing I will do on most days is meditate. So I will brush my teeth, go back to bed, sit up straight, and I you know practice Vedic meditation or TM mantra over and over twenty minutes. No kid, no kids then, right? No kids yet. No kids yet. Okay. We will, we will, we will soon, hopefully. Uh, by the way, get ready to give up your meditation practice in the morning. Once you yeah, have kids. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've I've heard that. Uh, it's called the knee and the groin while you're sleeping meditation. I've got that one down. <laughs> so so we'll meditate. Um, my wife will join me sometimes. Sometimes she won't. Okay. If if for some reason we're running a little late, we don't meditate. Uh, next thing we do is is breakfast, and so like I, I was saying to you earlier, I've been doing bulletproof coffee for the past three weeks. Uh, oh, cool! Which has been fantastic. And what's funny for me there has been I've always been such like a, a big breakfast guy. So like you know, he, breakfast like a king, lunch like a, a prince, dinner like a pauper. And so this was a bit of a new thing for me, and I've been feeling great. And I do huge bulletproof. Has it changed your meditation? I'm, I'm curious. Like, do you feel a difference? Well, I always meditate before. Oh, before you do? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Always, always before I put any, any, any caffeine or food. Cool. Uh, so then we do that, and then you know, we'll read the, we'll always get the print edition of the Wall Street Journal. I'll look at, look at the website. I'll look at work email immediately, see if there's anything pressing, and then we just sort of, uh, we walk to work, which is really nice to do as a couple. Our office is yeah. a few blocks away, and so we just roll into it and, and, and get going. Do you do you exercise in the morning? Do you exercise every day? What's your deal there? Exercise, oh wait, there's one key thing I forgot to mention. Well, the first thing I do before I even start start meditation is I repeat the words "thank you" silently over and over right. in my head. You know, big believer in a gratitude practice. And so before I even begin the meditation, the moment I I open my eyes and I'm awake and I see my wife and we're we're here and. I just thank you, thank you, thank you, you know, th thank you. And, and before I do anything, I, I do that. And I've done that since I was like a little kid. Uh, my mother ingrained that in me. Um, and so, so health and, so, I, you know, I change all the time. And so currently, I meditate every day. I don't always do twice a day, but I, I never miss a day. So I'm always going to do once a day. If I miss the morning, I'll do the afternoon or vice versa. Uh, you know, there was a period of my life where I did yoga every day, and what happened there was my body green started to, to grow. I started to work more and more. My every day became three days a week, and then it became three mm -hmm. days a month. And all of a sudden, I said, "You know, what happened to my yoga practice? All this wellness is making me sick. I'm making everyone better, but what about me?" And <laughs> yes, so I, I came to the conclusion. I said, "Look, like work isn't going to change 
what's more, more realistic than me hopping on the subway for an hour and a half yeah. yoga class and carving out three hours door to door is well, I'm just going to start a home practice. So, so now every weekend on Saturday and Sunday, I do a home practice, 15, 20 minutes. Cool. I, I never miss it. So I do that. I meditate daily. Um, there was a period where I got back into weights. We have a gym in our building. So started to lift weights twice a week. Uh, doing one set to, for each body part to failure, you know, quick, like 20 minute workout. Uh, lately I've been doing push-ups and sit-ups and dips, you know, getting back to body weight, you know, do that to failure, do it a couple times a week. And that seems to be working for now and I'm not bored with it and I'll see what's next. So currently that that's, you know, I do my, my push-ups, my sit-ups, my dips, I do yoga and I meditate and I walk a lot and that seems to work for me until it doesn't and we'll see what's next. Constant change is part of it. Yeah. Well, we're, we're coming up on the end of the interview here, but you have one more chapter in the book that we haven't talked about too much, but you've touched on it three or four times and you have a chapter called Love yep. and you talk about having supportive, healthy relationships. And you actually go into soulmates. Tell me about the three types of soulmates. So I believe we have multiple soulmates, three types. And so I believe there are two romantic types and one non-romantic types uh, type. And so the first kind, I believe, is, is the one that we're supposed to be with, but the one that isn't supposed to work out. <laughs> It's the one that probably pushes your buttons. It's the one where, one where you have that super passionate, fire, fiery relationship. It's, it's the one that helps you grow as a person. But at the same time, it's, it's the, the one that, that is, a, is a moment in time that you're probably not supposed to be with forever. I think they're painful. Um, you know, that, that's why it's, you know, my own life I've experienced this. And I, and I think we've all probably had that one way or another. Um, then I believe there's the forever kind. I believe that there's that one that, uh, you know, one on one makes three. I think with the first kind, one on one maybe made one and a half, you know, maybe two on a good day. I think the first kind probably brings out your insecurities. I think the second kind eliminates your insecurities. I think the second kind is the one that helps you develop as the person you're, you're supposed to be. And together, collectively, uh, you are stronger. Um, you know, I believe that to be my wife and we have a fabulous relationship and not to say that, 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 that kind is, is, is easy and it's, you know, relationships are hard. They require work. Uh, the friends who are always there when we need them, they're the, the people in passing that have, uh, serious impacts on our life, whether they're with the right comment at the right time or, uh, you know, being, being there at that moment when we need to hear the right thing at the right time or, or it's that, that instance so many times that's happened to me, you know, you hear one thing from, from the people close to you over and over and over, but they're so close to you, you don't listen. Then you hear it from an outsider all of a sudden, then boom, it hits you like a rocket ship and, and, and you finally, finally, uh, you know, sinks in. And so I think those types of soulmates are abundant. I think they're everywhere. And I think that's, that's the beauty of life. And I think, you know, the overarching theme with soulmates is I think we need to reframe them. I think it, once again, it's operating from a place of abundance and not scarcity. And that's how I choose to look at soulmates. I, I think there are lots of various opinions on this one, uh, but th that's how I've seen them in my own life. And, I, and once again, I don't believe you necessarily need, I, I think a soulmate can help, uh, help you become a better person. 
and can help complete you in some way. But in no way am I saying that I think you need to, you need someone else to complete you. You know, once again, you'll never be happy if you're not happy with yourself. I've had lots of people ask, you know, Hey, how, how do I find a soulmate? Yep. You got any advice for people on that? You know, I always start with, you know, work on yourself. <laughs> you <laughs> Great know, answer, man. Great answer. You know, you're never going to be happy if you if you if you're not you're never going to be happy in a relationship if you're not happy with yourself. So you know, become the person you want to be because uh, I I do believe in like attracts like. Uh, other you know rules of thumb, I think you know go to places that you like. <laughs> you know, if you love living a healthy lifestyle. You know, and you live in LA, go hang out at Bulletproof, go hang out at Whole Foods Market, you know, go, ha- go hang out at places where you're going to find like minded people. Yeah. Uh, probably not going to find your soulmate at a bar at 2 a.m. Sure, it happens, but it, it, it's, it's rare. But I say, you know, work, work on yourself and, and be open to that um, and be open to the possibility of, of uh, chance encounters that, uh, Various uh, healthy establishments around America, around the world. <laughs> so, so that leads to the obvious next question: uh, sure. Do you play Pokemon Go? I do not. I hate video games. <laughs> There's so many people in the last few weeks have been like, "It's my new dating strategy. I play Pokemon." No, <laughs> I don't even know how the 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 kids do it with all these dating apps and tools and everything. I don't know. God bless them, but I. I I don't know how they it, do it. It sounds a lot more complex than it was uh, back before the interwebs. Yes, uh, back for you and me. Well, it, it's been a fascinating interview, and, and there's that question that I've asked everyone who's been on on the show, and I'd love to get your answer on this because I think it's going to be interesting. If someone came to you tomorrow and said, "Look, I want to kick more ass at everything I do," uh, what are the three most important pieces of advice uh, you'd have for me? Like the three things I need to know based on your whole life experience. Sure. Um, one, find a mind body practice that works for you. You know, I think we'd all agree that stress is a killer. Stress is toxic. Uh, find some sort of practice that works for you to help, uh, deal with stress. Stress doesn't go away. Stress changes. Your problems change. An entrepreneur told me that once, you know, you think you get to one level and then you get there and then it's the next thing. Your, your, your problems don't go away in life. They just change. Uh, so one, find a mind-body practice. Uh, two, gratitude. You know, I, I am just such a huge believer in a gratitude process. Once again, I believe in goals. Like, let's kick ass. Let's take names. Let's 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 accomplish all these great things. But you're going to lose a lot if you're not being appreciative for what you have in that journey. It is a journey. It's not a cliche. It's real. You know, enjoy every step of the step of the way. Don't wait to lose something for you to appreciate it. So two, gratitude practice. Uh, you know, and three, I would say, you know, focus on, on quality versus quantity with, with relationships, with, with your interactions. I think we can all do a better job there. I think in the age of social media, we've got thousands of friends and followers and and these people everywhere, but the quality of those relationships aren't, aren't really there. So, you know, I, I would say focus on quality relationships in, in business uh, in life with your family, you know, I, I would say fo- focus on quality. I think you know you're you're never going to be successful. You're never going to accomplish the goals you want to accomplish if the people around you are, are not supportive and the type of people you need around you. So I would I would say those three three things: mind, body, practice, gratitude, and quality relationships. 
Awesome. Uh, you did not disappoint with your answers. <laughs> Thank <laughs> Thanks, you. Jason. Uh, I think people probably have already figured I think go to mindbodygreen.com. Anywhere else they should go to maybe find your book or where yeah, else would you like them to go? The book, Wealth, W-E-L-L-T-H. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You go to wealth.mindbodygreen.com. And I'm on all the social media channels at Jason Wachob, W-A-C-H-O-B as in boy. So check us out. All right, Jason. Thanks for being on Bulletproof Radio. It's an honor. Thanks so much, Dave. If you enjoyed today's show, you know what to do. Head on over to your favorite bookseller and pick up a copy of Jason's book. Check out some of the cool content on Mind Body Green. And while you're at it, pick up some brain octane. Get some ketones going in your brain. Get some of the three new roasts. Well, two new roasts, but three roasts in total we have for Bulletproof. We've got The Mentalist, which is my new favorite, which is slightly darker than our original roast. And we've got French Kick, which is dark but not burned to a crisp. So it turns out dark coffee can taste good. Give it a shot. Have an awesome day. Get tons more original info to make it easier to kick more asset life when you sign up with a free newsletter at bulletproofexact.com and stay bulletproof. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.